This is Rob Stein, and welcome to the Impossible to Fail podcast. I'm a multi-business-owning entrepreneur that has cracked the code to launching careers to massive success. Over the past 20 years, I've developed a life-changing process that has allowed me to achieve a level of wealth and financial freedom that I previously thought was only possible for the select few. These principles are universal for any industry, and I've personally applied this process to transition from a teacher with a master's degree to an award-winning music composer and publisher, championship-level bodybuilder, top-producing real estate agent and team leader, and entrepreneurial coach. If you want to achieve the financial success and time freedom that you deserve, you simply need to make it impossible to fail. Welcome to another episode of the Impossible to Fail podcast. I'm super excited for today's guest. We've been talking for a bit and we finally have the opportunity to do something together. Talking about Mr. J.M. Ryerson. He is a mindset and business coach and founder of Let's Go Win. Just, I mean, just that alone, right? I'm ready to win. <laughs> Let's go. J.M., welcome, buddy. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And uh, great to be here, man. I, I, I love the name of your show. So this, this is going to be fun, man. We, are, <laughs> we got a lot of synergy going. We do. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let me give our listeners uh, just a little bit of background on you so they know who they're listening to. So JM, he is an international speaker. He's a mindset and business coach. He's the host of the Let's Go Win podcast, which we will have a link to for you to subscribe to it. He's also the best-selling author of Let's Go Win the keys to living your best life and champions daily playbook. So he's got two books for you to check out. He helps high-performing leaders define and execute their individual leadership styles so that they can grow the impact and profits of their businesses. His passion is to help others succeed at work, at home, and in life by offering simple tools that provide work-life balance. So JM, again, welcome. And let's just start by, you know, tell the listeners how did you decide? How did you decide to get into this avenue of entrepreneurship? Yeah, man. I, you know, it's cliche when people say it kind of chose you, but it just did. I I was yeah. building teams in the financial service world, and don't ask me any financial questions because I really don't know. <laughs> what I found is leadership and mm -hmm. performance and mm -hmm. mindset. I just kept going over it again and again, again, I'm just, I'm fascinated by it. And I, it all started Rob, because I wrote a book for our two kids. My wife and I have a 16 and 13 year old now. And the book was let's go win was the first one. Hmm. And the whole idea was so that they didn't skin their knees as many times as I did growing up. Right. Like give them a roadmap to say, yeah. Hey, if you do these tangible things, you can be set up to win on a daily basis. And once I did that, when that box got opened, it was like, oh, there's no looking back, man. I just fell in <laughs> love with podcasts, with coaching, with, with, you know, everything that we do. Uh, I, I just, there was no looking back. So haphazardly kind of got into it. I knew that I liked leadership, but I love working with people on their dreams, their aspirations. Mm. And it's like your name of your show, as I'm sure you've talked about instead of it's impossible, I'm possible. Like everything is possible. And that's how I look at it, man. Everything yeah. is there for you. If you just do a couple of simple things to set yourself up to win. So that's how I kind of got into it. And it's just been an awesome ride, man. That's incredible. And what a, what a great 
way to get into it too, by wanting, wanting to help your kids. I mean, of course, as parents, we want to help our kids. I mean, that's, that's always the goal so that they live a better life than we had. They could do better than we did. Um, and that's also very, you know, we're really resonating on the same frequency here because with the, my impossible to fail framework, you know, the blueprint is to get that blueprint. That's the first step so that you can avoid making those pitfalls that other people have made. You can learn from their mistakes. You can guarantee you're on the fast path to success. And that's how you started because you wanted to give that to your kids and you found your calling and your passion in, in giving that to the world. Yeah. And it's what's, I'm sure like you see it, I started assuming that everybody knows this stuff, right? My wife looked at me one time, she's like, grab my face. She's like, stop assuming. You think this is basic. You think, you know, cause I like to read a lot and I, so yeah. I apply these little things. She's like, this is not the way normal people think, quote unquote. <laughs> she says, so stop assuming yeah. and let's start helping people. And so it's just, it's been cool ever since, man. That's incredible. Now, so you were in the financial world and before you got into this avenue of entrepreneurship. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I talk frequently about the fact that most entrepreneurs don't start there. It's very unusual. Uh, for example, I, I run a, a pretty big real estate company here in Austin, Texas. I'd say about 80% of my agents didn't start out in entrepreneurship. They had a nine to five. They were in the grind. They were W-2. And then they move into into self-employment and and being a 1099. And uh, I was the same way. I used to be a teacher until I built my first business and then built my next one and my next one. So was there also any aspect in what you were doing in your previous career that also made you say, I'm so excited about, like what else excited you about entrepreneurship aside from being able to share your knowledge with the world to help other people? What, what about the the road of entrepreneurship was appealing to you compared to what you were doing at the time? Yeah, so I mean, I, I haven't been in a W-2 in a long time, but this mm. would have been about 22 to about the age of 25. Mm. And I remember I kept getting told, no, this is as much money as you can make. Yeah. You have to be here at a certain time. Yeah. I didn't like that, man. Like I kind of <laughs> a bit of a wild stallion you kind of got to let me run. And when I figured out, when I sat down and said, I don't like people telling me I can only do so much because I want to be able to do as much as humanly possible. I don't want anybody to tell me I can't. Right. So for me, that's when uh, becoming an entrepreneur, that's when I got into the financial service world because I sat down with a guy and he said, look, you can make as much money as you want and you can golf every Friday. And I said, sign me up. Didn't know anything more about it. <laughs> and as I got into it, I just I had the freedom because my entire life is set up for freedom, freedom mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, if you want to travel, travel to be at all of my kids games mm -hmm. to do that, to yep. make as much money as you want. Yep. And what was interesting, Rob, in that, in that time both my parents worked for the same place for my mom, 39 years as a teacher, same, uh, you know, arena for 39 years. My dad was 35 years at the same company. So for me to take that leap and for anyone listening that is ever considering it, it was a really tough decision because my dad was my decision maker at that time. And I remember saying, Hey dad, I have a new career. And he's like, Oh, well, congratulations. How much is the salary? And I'm like, Oh yeah, there's none of that. 
uh, okay, cool. Well, they must have amazing benefit packages. And I'm like, oh no, there's none of that either. And my dad who didn't cuss is like, what the F are you doing? <laughs> and, you know, at the time it was kind of scary to, to go speak to him. Cause he was a big, strong man. Everyone thing I looked up to, and yet it was the only decision I could make. And ever since Rob, I just, I, once you open that, that Pandora's box, as they say, it's just, yeah. it's, been an amazing journey and ride since yeah absolutely and that's inspiring to to have made that that jump especially when you didn't seems like you didn't really have anyone in your immediate family that was going that path um and sometimes facing adversity i'm sure your parents were very supportive but even their curiosity of like are you sure this is a good idea <laughs> uh that that can be that can be really challenging um Yet I can absolutely relate to that. I'm sure a lot of our listeners can. When I was teaching, I was tired of having a capped income. I didn't like the idea of being told I have to be in this place from this time to do these things. And no matter how hard you try or how hard you don't try, your income is going to be the same. Uh, I didn't like the fact that I couldn't have a long lasting impression. I mean, some of the some of the kids that I taught, you know, you, you can really resonate with some of them. But for the most part, no matter how strong the relationship is, you know, a few months after they they leave the school, they're going to forget about me and they're going to, you know, do their thing. That's just the reality. And to feel like, man, I'm just burning my wheels in neutral here. Um, I just didn't, I just couldn't imagine doing that for, you know, the 25 to 30 years and doing the pension and the, and it's tough because for, you know, for people in our um, generation, that was what our parents did for good reason, because their parents lived through the Great Depression. And so get a job, have a pension, have a retirement, be grateful for what you have, whether you like your job or not, is so much of what we were told. Yet our kids now live in a whole new world where could you go to college? Sure. Do you have to? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I mean, you can become a freaking influencer, whatever, you know, and and make a living. So the, the, the world is full of possibilities right now for, for entrepreneurs. Um, so what was it like as you were getting launched, right? Because you went from the financial services industry to you had a lot of innate talent for this. You had a lot of good thoughts for this. How did you go about building your business and gaining clients, learning? What was that process like at the beginning? Because where you are now is incredible, but of course you didn't just snap your fingers and land at the top of the mountain, right? So what was that building process like for you? Yeah, it's such a good question. And I think it's so important for us all to remember, no matter where somebody is at in their journey, yeah. it, there's a process, right? There's a lot of sacrifice and there's a lot of commitment and the stuff you never see, all of the ugly truth and the grind and the sweat that, look, that's not what sales on Instagram where it's like, hey, look at the 60 hours I did this week. So um, for me, brother, it was right after the book. Um, well. Right when I was publishing the book, I had a gal say to me, man, you're selfish. And I said, whoa, I don't think I'm selfish. She said, if you only share this book with two people, you're selfish. Okay, cool. So we published the book. And then shortly thereafter, I had a gentleman, he was a family friend, and he said, can you help my son uh, lose weight? And I was like, yeah, I could do that. And we helped him lose like 80 pounds. And that was cool. It was whoa. exciting. It was fulfilling. Yeah. And then somebody was like, Hey, can you help this pro golfer, uh, you know, with his golf career? And I was like, yeah, I could do that now Two totally different things. Right. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, 
through just basic principles and coaching. He went from missing 12 straight cuts to making four out of the next five and then having an amazing season. Hmm. And what I found, Rob, once that happened, once that, again, once that door opened, I was just like, oh, so I can help anyone based on these principles. Hmm. Now, every marketing firm in the world will tell you, you have to niche down, niche down, niche down. And I hear that, but I, I didn't accept that. Mm. And so the whole idea with let's go win is the truth is these are basic principles that if you apply them, everyone can succeed. Whether you're, yeah. again, I, whether you're in sales or you're an engineer, because the whole idea of my company is to inspire people to live their best lives. And so it's just been a process of failing again and again and again through the podcast, like my first two episodes. One, I forgot to hit record. I had to redo that whole one. again. Uh, I don't even remember what the other one, but the first two, I was like, this is this has got to be on camera somewhere. Somebody's got to see how crappy this is right. to where it's gone to. So, you know, it's it's funny in those moments that really suck and you're like, whoa, woe is me and why those are the best learning moments as, as we all can reflect back yes. on. And that's really been the journey, man. It's just been continuing to uh, find the next, you know, thing that's going to get us there. So for instance, you and I are connected through a particular media firm. Mm -hmm. It took me three with my company alone to find them. Mm. And I spent a tremendous amount of money, a lot of hours, uh, you know, so much time. Yeah. And yet that was kind of what I needed to get to, to find, uh, you know, to market media, who's been amazing for me. So I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's a matter of just having that faith and belief and, and yeah. just keeping the head down. Yeah. You're man, you hit the nail on the head for sure. And you have the, the mindset that so many, I think any really successful entrepreneur has to have of viewing obstacles and, and adversity as a learning experience, because the reality is that the road to success in anything, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you work a W2 and you, you're trying to lose weight or, or whatever your goal is, whatever big thing you're trying to accomplish, there's always going to be adversity. And, you know, you could have started your podcast. You could have spent money on those couple first marketing companies and said, you know what, this is, this isn't working. It's too hard. It's not for me, but you said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to learn because learning what not to do is equally as valuable as learning what to do right? Confidence is a result of experience, good or bad. And if it's good, then you gain confidence that you know what to do. If it's bad, you said, well, at least I did this thing and I know this doesn't work. So now I'm more confident that this thing is going to work. And you kept going and you kept going. And, um, you know, I referenced this previously, but behind me, if you're watching the video, which you can see at robstein.tv, if you're listening, there's the, my favorite poster of the success iceberg. And what you and I are talking about right now is what happens on the way up. The part people can't see though, <laughs> right? Because they might look at, you know, I'm looking at your, your overview here and everything you've accomplished. You have amazing testimonials. You've changed people's lives all over the world. And it would be easy to assume that it's been easy for you, but it hasn't been. But anyone that's ever accomplished anything of substance like you have, you have the mentality of this is a journey. This is, there, there is no failure unless it's permanent, right? Failure is only failure if it's permanent. And until I quit, I have not failed. I'm just getting experience. 
Yeah, it's so good, brother. I love that because it's it's absolutely I there is no true failure unless you yep. quit. That's so right. well put. And it is interesting too, as you go through. So for instance, let's go win podcast. Mm. I first started by calling it transcend in life because mm. transcend is a really big thing for me, right? It's sure. it's it's a word that means so much to me. Mm. But with my with my audience and and with people that I coach. I had to continue to define it and define it and define it. And finally, uh, somebody said, just call it Let's Go Win. It's an awesome name. And I was like, well, of course, that's simple. But in the beginning, I I don't know, man, it, that wasn't simple. And so that was a lot of work to have to redo it. Mm. I just changed the, the core values of the company because, again, it was Courage Fund Transcend. And I realized, again, Transcend, it's not relating. It makes a ton of sense to me. Mm. And I guess... I, so I changed it to happy, healthy, wealthy. And everybody now is like, yeah, I love those things. Of course. Mm -hmm. But that took, you know, years to figure out that, Hey, even though in your head, this is this amazing idea, that doesn't mean that it's immediately, immediately, excuse me, going to resonate with somebody. Right. So, but I'm so grateful for that because again, just your first idea, it may pop, but more than likely it's not. And then the second idea, maybe probably not. And if you just keep going, man, yep. it's there, but you can't, you, you know, you have to have that passion, that fire, and just know that what you're doing, if your intention is pure and you are out there to help others get better, it eventually does continue. You'll find that success. So I love that poster behind you, brother. It's so good. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, uh, every day, every day I get to look at it. Now let, let's continue down this path because really, you know, th the mindset happiness, winning, getting what you want, being able to, to be con not necessarily content as in complacent, but content as in not beating yourself up and enjoying the journey. I think we both agree that is a mindset. It is not a result. It is not a destination. Happiness winning is not what you get when this thing happens. It's a process. And if you think happiness or winning or getting what you want is only going to happen when I achieve X, you're never ever going to do it because I guarantee you, once you achieve X, you're going to say, now I want Y <laughs> and it's, it just keeps going. And I know that's something you're very passionate about. So talk to us about, you know, what is winning for you? How do you define that? And how do, how do you deal with that with all the, the craziness of the entrepreneur roller coaster? Yeah, it's such a good question. I get it all the time. So JM, why is it got to be about winning? That means somebody else loses. And I'm like, no, that's And I understand because the name is let's go win. Sure. But let's is the big part of it. Like, mm. let's together set ourselves up to win. Does that mean I'm not going to have setbacks? And I'm, am I not, am I going to hit my mark? No, I actually just reflected on all my goals. And if it was a GPA, I'm borderline three Oh, maybe even in the twos. Yeah. And so, but I set myself up every day to succeed. Right. And so it is such a mindset. And there's a beautiful book, um, The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. And his whole premise of the book is, does success come before happiness or happiness before success? And the Ooh. truth is happiness comes before success. Yes. And you know, it's amazing. I love the way you said that because every single day I wake up in pursuit of being the best version of me every day. And there's days where, man, I don't want to, I'm, I, you know, my mind, it's like, oh, I'm tired and blah, blah, blah. But then I remember how great it feels 
when I go through my process, how good it feels to truly be happy and, and have someone else. And so to your point, Rob, as you know, again, I look at your bodybuilding trophies. I think so much of the work that it took for that one trophy and how much time and energy and discipline and persistence, it's the same for our mindset. And I think so often people are like, oh, I'm just going to be happy when I make a million dollars in a year. (laughs) Well, guess what? Probably not. And by the way, even if you made a hundred million, that doesn't mean you're going to wake up happy. That's right. It just means that you you achieve something, which is awesome. But to truly be happy and fulfilled every single day, you wake up and you say, I'm going to have the most amazing day. And then you start with that intention. Then you do whatever. For me, it's gratitude. Then it's taking care of my mind, my body, my soul. And after I do all that, now I can show up and be the best dad. I can show up yeah. and be the best husband, the the best employer, whatever hat I'm wearing. But until I do that part, that, that, that really important part for me, mind, body, soul in the morning, Mm. you're not going to get the best version of me. It's just, that's, that's the way it works. And trust me, I tried, I'll wake up, (laughs) just take care of one thing. And I'm like, ah, not quite the same. So it is a never ending pursuit, but it's one that's, it's awesome, man. It's just such a cool ride. It is. It's the best. And, you know, it takes it takes a lot of time to figure out, you know, your ideal morning routine, your way to bring out your best self. And if you were to type, you know, ideal morning routine or, you know, self-development, I mean, there's billions and billions of answers and being able to the, the only way you can really figure. I mean, I would imagine it took you years probably to figure out how to set yourself up for that kind of day. Well, and st- still evolving, right? Sure. That's that's the thing. And my wife would love if what you just said, if I was done and I arrived at it, mm. I'm never done, brother. Every single day I'm reading to get just a little bit because I enjoy that pursuit. But I, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but 100%, like it's ever evolving. And it, I don't think it's ever going to stop. I think I'm always going to want more yeah. just to feel, can I get a little bit better? Yes, I think I can. Yeah, absolutely. And no, you didn't interrupt because that was a question. I, I wanted to get your opinion on it because I think a lot of other people think like, well, I see this morning routine. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to be brilliant and undoubtedly fulfilled all day. And the reality is you might be, but but it, it takes time. It takes time to learn what works best for you. Um, you know, to your to your most recent point, I talk about this book frequently, uh, Brendan Burchard's uh, High Performance Habits amazing book. And one of the six qualities he defines in, in his research and being the most sought after coach of high performance is the, he calls it necessity. And you and I have that. And a lot of our listeners have it too. And you hit, you hit it when you said, you know, I just, I just always have this drive to improve, to read, to be better. Um, and sometimes people will ask me like, Rob, what motivates you? How do you manage all these businesses and still stay in shape? And you have a kid, like, how do you do all that at the same time? And the answer is usually two things. Number one is I remind them that you don't always need to be passionate about what you're doing, but you do need to be passionate about why you're doing it. And trust me, just like you said, JM, I definitely don't wake up every day jonesing to get in the office early and have a, have a long day and do all this stuff. But, um, but I am passionate about why I'm doing these things for the betterment of my family, for the people I work with, to have the quality of life I want, to be accountable to myself and to, to achieve excellence in everything I do. 
But the other reason I tell them, and I'm like, I don't know if this will be helpful, but I'm just wired that way. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I have this internal necessity to always do more, to improve, to be the best version of myself. I can't necessarily explain it, but I think for those, I think the highest performers have that quality. And then it comes down to where do I put it? How do I sharpen it? How do I learn what to do with it so I can really maximize what I'm what I'm capable of? Um, so, so on that note, tell us what is what is your morning routine? Because you said you know mind, body, soul. So, what do you do in the morning that gets you set up for a good day? Yeah, man, and uh, this is such a important thing because to your point, there is mine is works for me and I know it's way too substantial for a lot of my clients because mm. I've run them through it and they're like, no way, man, mm. I am not getting up at that time. I'm not doing so before I'll just start with the very basic. Yeah. Before my left foot hits the floor. Cause that's mm. the side of the bed I sleep on. Okay. I, I don't care how bad I have to pee. I am going to say three things I'm grateful for. If my wife's mm. awake, I'll say it aloud. If she's not, I say it in my head. And then I allow myself to get out of bed. Literally the most simple act of just saying, I'm grateful for this, okay? And that's that starts everything off. Once that happens, now I'm going to start getting into my meditation. Okay, now real and quick, let me ask, what time do you wake up? 5.43 seems to be the most recent trend um, <laughs> because that is... It fits into my lifestyle with taking my son. I used sure. to wake up even earlier. I, yeah. it's always around, you know, before six for me. Yeah. Okay. And I've had clients that are like, nope, not happening. I'm like, cool. That's okay, by the way. And yeah. give yourself that grace. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that's so funny. And I think why our world gets sometimes poo pooed on, if you will, when people are like, I'm not waking up at 5 a.m. Cool. Don't. It, okay. <laughs> it was just an idea, you know what I mean? And it, yeah. and it does, there's substantial reasons why it works, mm -hmm. but if it doesn't work consistently, you're right. It's not going to work. And if your mindset says, I'm not going to do it, I have not changed one person's belief. So to answer your question to this, Rob, it, it starts with that gratitude thing. And then I get yep. into my meditation. Then I get yep. into the brain games. Then I start doing my reading. Then I take my son and then I do my workout. By that time, I've taken care of the mind, the body, the soul. Mm. I'm getting into my office, and then I'll start to fuel up with. I, I do coffee with MCT. Uh, actually, oh. it's not it's not typical bulletproof any longer. It's it's a little bit different one, but and that's my basic morning routine before mm. I ever see somebody in the office. Mm -hmm. um, and I do some journaling in there as as part of my. Uh, when I say brain games. Yeah. So that's my basic overview. And then in the evening, of course, I reflect on, I, again, I, this is where my wife says, don't say, of course, I reflect on how my day looked. Yeah. Um, what, what, what did I do? Well, what can I game plan for the next day? And that's a basic overview of mine. But, you know, that's about a two hour process before I'm really even stepping foot in front of anyone else outside of my son. Right. And for some people, they're like, I can't do that. I'm like, cool, let's do it for 15 minutes. Can you give you yourself just you 15 minutes there you go. for anyone else? And if you can, the results of how you show up as that, that various hat, as a dad, as a, as a, 
husband as a whatever hat you're wearing. Mm -hmm. It's amazing because you took just enough time to be selfish, right? To be unselfish to all those others. And once you do that, it's like, oh man, that's, that's some goodness right there. Yeah, man. I love, love what you just said. You take a little bit of time to be, you know, quote selfish so you can be unselfish. And I talk about that frequently in that, especially if you are someone people count on, which, which you and I both are, right? We're husbands, we're fathers, we are business owners, we're employers, right? All of these things. We have a lot of people that count on us for, uh, count on us for a lot of reasons, not to mention, you know, our, our clients, right? Maybe not our employees, but people that we help, they're counting on us to show up. And in order for, for us to be our best for them, we need to be thriving. If we are not thriving, there is no way we can possibly serve the way that the people that are counting on us need us to. And sometimes the it is very noble and I guess popular in society to say like, always put others before yourself. In some ways I agree with that. And in some ways I hard disagree with that because that leads to basically self-sacrifice. And if you're at the point where you have zero time for yourself, you have zero time for your mindset or the things that you need to do, you're not helping these people as much as you think they are uh, or as much as you think you are because you're not able to give them your best. Though I mean, very simply, put your own mask on before you help someone else, right? If you pass out, we're <laughs> trying to put someone else's mask on, you, you can't help them. Um, being able to set yourself up for a great day is super duper important. I've experimented with a lot of different morning routines. Most recently, I started doing the, uh, I used to wake up about the same time you did, you know, about 5.30, 5.45. Most recently, I over maybe three to four months ago, started more of the wake up at 4.45, in the gym at 5.30. For the most part, just because of my workday, I, now I, I'll preface this by saying I hate working out that early in the morning, I, as, especially as a bodybuilder who lifts heavy things. I like in the afternoon, I've had meals, my muscles are awake, it's all good. I just don't feel good physically uh, working out in the morning yet. I realized, especially in the nature of what I do, I coach a lot of people in a lot of industries, but real estate is the main businesses that I own. Things come up, man. People call me, agents call me, and too many curveballs. And I realized the only way for me to get in the gym, guaranteed every day, uninterrupted, and get it in, is to go before anyone else is awake, before anyone else can bother me. And I'm home by seven and it's done. I've gotten used to it. I wouldn't say I, I definitely wake up most mornings and don't feel like it, but I do like the fact that I can get it in. And after that, I'm very much into the amenities. So I like to use the hot tub, the sauna. It's relaxing, gets me in a good state of mind. I come home charged up, ready to go. And there are some things that I don't do. Like um, I have a journal that I keep my tasks in but sometimes you feel like, well, if I want to be an entrepreneur, I got to do all the journaling and the gratitude. And I do some gratitude, but like, I'm not into the journaling very much personally. I keep a little task, bullet, bullet points, and I'm good to go. But that works for me. And, and so if you're listening, like, what can I do to form the best morning routine? I would say, listen to JM, listen to what I do, find what other people do, and just figure it out, take action. But you do have to be able to set yourself up for a successful day and get your mind right to pour into others the way you really need to. Yeah. And if I may really yeah. fast, because someone that a lot of us listen to or have read his books is Simon Sinek. And this, when oh, no doubt. he just said, I think is so, he said something that shocked me. He said, 
I have written more books than I have read. So, so often we hear that you have to read to be successful, blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's something that's kind of been in the self-development world. And yeah. I've, I've said it myself, like reading is really important to me. But what he said is that's not what fills my bucket. And instead, he's like, but I'm really into, you know, growing my mindset, getting better. And the way he said that, Rob, I, I, it just reminded me of him saying, look, I've written more books than I've read. So if reading or like you said, journaling, if that's not your thing, that's okay. Yeah, that is just a potential tool to unlock the best you. Right. But like you said, sauna, I didn't even mention the cold plunge that I love to do cold yeah. showers, all those things. Look, they've come in and out of my life. And I felt when I needed it. Meditation is just one of those things that has been there for a long time. And I don't think it's ever going away nope. because that's how impactful it is for me. And when you find it, you know, right? Just like working out in the gym, lifting weights for you. You just yeah. know like, wow, I feel amazing when I do it. That's why I get up and do it. I want to be at my best health. So it's such a trial and error thing to find the very best for you. Yeah. But just the routine alone, as you know, being able to do it consistently, that's kind of the key to life. That's the thing, the consistency and the discipline. And I, what most people think and have this misconception of, even, even entrepreneurs themselves, is that as entrepreneurs, we are always just deeply fulfilled and 100% motivated. And we wake up and we're ready to crush it because that's what you see on social media and, and the articles and stuff. But the reality is we have the same, I'm tired. We have, you know, I don't feel like it today. We have the same fear, the same doubt, the same hesitation, the same everything that everyone goes through. The difference is that we, we do it anyway. We do the thing we need to do anyway. And that's literally the definition of consistency and discipline. It's, it doesn't matter what's happening, whether you want to or not, you just do it. Uh, and, and that is how to really gain the traction because then you develop habits. So on that note, let's talk about habits because you are very passionate about the habits that good entrepreneurs and specifically good leaders have. And the reality is, even if you're a solopreneur, you're still a leader. There are still other people you talk to, you lead yourself. Eventually, you're going to get to a point to lead others. So when you're showing up, you're ready to go for the day. What are the type of leadership qualities you need to have to make sure you're, you're doing the best by yourself and by the people that are counting on you? There's three when I think of those leadership skills where it's like these are paramount to you succeeding. Okay. The first is for me, a leadership philosophy is it's not about you. So what's so funny about what you said earlier, which is so true, the taking care of yourself is really important for that moment. And then the remainder of my day, it's not about me as a leader. So that's kind of, it's funny. It's like the first two hours, it's all about taking care of me. Yep. So that the remaining, however many hours I'm awake, I am, it's not about me. And so that's my overall leadership philosophy. But the three characteristics that I see most often that really successful leaders have is one, they're confident. They're confident in their decisions. They're confident in their people. They're confident in the team themselves. It's it just, it's such an important trait for people to feel that, that sense of confidence. Second is they're empathetic. They can truly put themselves in other people's shoes. Now, Rob, this is the one that I work on the most mm. because as a man, I like to immediately problem solution. 
Yep. And the, what I've had to learn, and, and it's, again, a continuing, ever-evolving process is, cool, we'll get to that solution part, but let's, let's feel and understand where this person's coming from mm. so that they can actually hear what I'm about to say. Mm. Um, and then the last one is that listening and communication part. I have noticed recently, brother, and I'm not sure if it's always been there or if I'm just hyper aware of it, this ability to really listen. So like you and I are doing today, you're a very good listener. You're, you wait, you hear what I have to say, and then you respond, not instead waiting for me to shut up so you can say whatever you want to say. And it's such a learned skill. And it always goes back to me whenever I think of this particular skill. And it was Maya Angelou said, look, people won't remember what you did. They'll forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Yeah. And the one truth that I know is people want to feel heard. They want to feel seen. Mm -hmm. So as a leader, make sure you're doing that. Show up and be a genuine, active listener. So to break that down again, confidence, empathy, and truly as a intent listener, if you do those three things, Sky's the limit in your leadership lib. Man, that is beautiful. I mean, I hope y'all are taking notes. <laughs> and if you're not, you know, if you're in the car, listen to this again or, or check out the video when you're at home um, and, and see JM's intention behind what he's saying because it's 100% genuine and he's 100% right. And I love what you said about the active listening. Active listening, that's when you deepen your relationships with anyone, your clients, the people you're that are working for you. It, you know, in the real estate world, I, I train my agents on building a relationship-based business. Because when you build a relationship-based business, that's when you get your client for life. That's when you, you get more referrals. But most importantly, you provide them with the experience that they deserve. They're, they're, we are responsible for managing one of the biggest financial transactions of their life. That's a huge responsibility. We have to take that seriously. It's not just about the result. It's about the experience and developing those relationships. And whoever, whether it's clients, your friends, your family, too many people just don't actively listen. They, like you said, they wait for someone to finish so that they can just continue. And it's so apparent when you meet someone like that, like to try to interrupt you and then they'll wait. And you know, they don't listen to you because then they just immediately start saying the thing that they were going to say before. And the truth is that number one, that doesn't lead to good conversation. And number two, you can't really get to know someone without actively listening. I would classify that as hearing in one ear, out the other. Maybe you got some things, some little nuggets, but when you're actively listening, you're soaking it in. And if, if you're actively listening, that's what allows you to be empathetic, as you said, because then you know you can really get a grasp as to where is this person's mindset at? What are they, what are they going through? And the reality is that to be a good leader, people need to know that you care about them and their outcome and that they're not just another name on a spreadsheet or you're, you're two to two thirty before you move on. They have to know that you truly care about them and their outcome to be effective. The video I'm about to do, uh, I think it's tomorrow I have scheduled. And, and again, there's something scheduling in these things that you need to get done is on people are not numbers, right? Yep. And so often in corporations, you hear this in 
corporate America, I feel like a number. Mm-hmm. How horrible would that be as a human being? We're human beings. We're not human doers. Mm-hmm. You're a human being and you want to be seen and heard, not as a number, not as just like you said, on a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. but rather someone with feelings yep. that has depth to them that have, you know, families and, and hobbies and loves and interests. And it's so much deeper than, you know, did you perform or did you not perform? And typically people don't perform because there's something outside of the work that's happening. So mm-hmm. that was so beautifully put, Rod. I just, I wanted people to hear that because it's, it's really important that people are not numbers. They're, they're genuine people and if you spend just a little time, it just, your, your, your team will explode. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. So let's say um, I'm listening to this right now and I say, all right, Jam, I'm on board. I'm ready to instill these principles, but you know, I still have this, this little voice in the back of my head that says, oh man, that's too hard. You can't do it. I don't know if you're there. You're not there yet. These kind of self-limiting beliefs that we all have. And as I said before, we all have them <laughs> because e- even the, the entrepreneurs you might look at and say, wow, that person's crushing it. Guess what? They have their own new aspirations to continue even further and accomplish things they haven't done yet. I mean, if you would have told me five years ago, I'd be where I am now. I'd say, no way. Really? <laughs> That's amazing. Just put me there and I'm going to cruise in the right <laughs> lane and I'll be good. And now I'm here and I feel like I'm light years from where I even want to be. I'm sure you can relate. But we all have these self-limiting beliefs at some point. Now, as you achieve more success, you, you get better at handling them. But we all go through this. And this is one of your one of your many strengths is helping people get past this. So how do you advise people to get past you know, these, these self-limiting beliefs that we all have? Yeah, man. Asking questions. Why do I think that way? Hmm. Where did that come from? And how is that serving me? Those three questions. Why do I think that way? Okay. Did, did mom or dad have this belief? Therefore I inherited it, which by the way, often that's the case. It doesn't make them bad. It just means that it probably came down from another generation, from another generation. How is that serving me is that last part when you're like, is this helping me? Is this helping me be happy in my, in my relationship and my business? And, you know, the fact that if you can answer those questions, be like, where'd it come from? Why do I think that way? And how is it serving me? When you do that, you'll get clarity behind, wait a minute, that came from dad, which came from grandpa, which came from great grandpa. And it's like, so wait a minute. Someone, and you said it earlier, you know, the, not our parents' generation, but our grandparents, they went through the Great Depression. And prior to that, it was even, you know, arguably scarcity was a more of a thing oh, yeah. in our oh, world yeah. today. How would that work that I'm going to take that same mindset and apply it to today's world? It doesn't add up. Yep. Yet we do that so often. And so for me, that was specific around money. And I talk about it openly on my show because my dad said, you know, the pretty people were the ones that were at a country club. And for some reason, being a pretty person was a bad thing. I don't know why. <laughs> Call me pretty. I'm cool, man. I like that. <laughs> um, and, you know, certain people would drive those cars and there's always a negative connotation around money. Mm-hmm. So the first time I made over seven figures in a year, I felt horrible. And it was like, I shouldn't feel like this because money is just an object 
that you can do cool stuff with. Like yeah. I can help charities. I can build businesses. I can do lots of cool stuff with it, but it's just, some, it's, it's creative. So why I have an emotional attachment to it is because dad used to say these things. Well, guess what? My grandfather used to say it to him. And he came from a really humble, tough beginning on a ranch in Montana and his grandfather, his father. So my great, great grandfather was awful and he was abused. And uh, so mm. all of this to say is that's where it came from and it traveled down and down and down, but to still have that in today's world, to still apply what was created back in the early 1900s to now, how is that serving me today? And it wasn't. And once I processed through all that, it's like, oh, this is where I got it from. It's not serving me. Let's think differently. Let's behave differently. And we'll yep. now we'll get a different result. Yeah, man, that is awesome. I love that. Asking questions about yourself, you know, definitely a, a method of self-reflection and analyz analyzation. And I think it's a real common habit of high of high performers of people that really strive to reach their maximum potential that we embrace self reflection and self analyzation. I have found that it's typically so. I have a a, a phrase I'll I use called entrepreneurs, and I'll compare entrepreneurs to entrepreneurs. And I think the entrepreneur embraces self reflection and self analyzation because we realize that is the ultimate tool to self improvement. How can you possibly know what's working, what's not, what you need to do differently to get better if you're not analyzing what work, what's working, what isn't? And being able to be objective and saying, hey, if, if I messed up on this thing, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. If this person doesn't want to work with me, that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It just means something happened that caused that result. So what was it? And being able to reflect on that, that's what makes you better. I think the entrepreneurs, they don't like criticism. They feel like they're everyone's judging them. They don't want any negative feedback at all. They might say they want accountability, but when you give it to them, even if you frame it really positively and constructively, they don't like it. And your ability to ask the, the three very important questions that you just said, you know, where is this coming from? Not just be like, oh, I don't know, but to really think about it. Where, it came from somewhere. And, and how is it serving you? How is it not? Those are fantastic questions. And there's such power in the simplicity of them, but being able to really implement that is so important to know how you can actually overcome those self-limiting beliefs. Because the reality is they're always going to be there. If you're listening, thinking, I know once I get to like, maybe like, be like JM and I'm going to make it. Once I get to that first million, I'm not going to have any more self-limiting beliefs. I'm going to be happy and I'm not going to have any problems. None of those things are true. And so you may as well utilize these, the formula, literally the formula that JM just gave you to overcome those self-limiting beliefs. Because when you do it, it works every time. It works every single time. And with the impossible to fail framework that I've created, it's all about the formula, get the blueprint, learn the formula. Don't mess with it. JM has perfected this formula. So just execute it. And you're absolutely going to be able to, to just chop the head right off of those self-limiting beliefs every single time. Yeah, dude, I, I, the way you sum things up is really good, by the way. And then you, <laughs> you add something to it that I'm like, so you talked about feedback. Feedback is one of the greatest gifts someone can ever give you. Mm. If you see it that way, mm. the best way to answer. And when somebody gives you feedback, no matter how painful it is, is thank you. 
And because those are people that genuinely care about you. I'm not trying to talk about people that they're trying to tear you down, but even when they are trying to tear you down, typically there's some truth. So if you ever want to take that power away from them, especially if somebody's trying to just be mean, Mm. just say, thank you. And watch what happens because they want you to fight back. But if you just say, you know what? Thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm going to look at that, see how I can improve. They're like, uh, oh, oh, okay, cool. But it's it's one of those things. And it takes practice, right? As you know, Rob, it's like when you start to do it, you know, courage is like a muscle. It gets stronger every time you use it. Mm-hmm. It takes courage to say, thank you for telling me I'm not very good at public speaking, for instance. Right. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. How can I improve? They tell you, great. Now you go apply it. Yeah. And it's just one of those lessons that once you figure that out, it's like, oh, that's really freeing. Yeah, it is. Feedback is important. People pay a lot of money for feedback. I mean, that's that's what coaches do. That's what mentors do. You pay them a lot of money to get their experienced feedback. Um, you know, another another thing I thought of when you mentioned the ability to say thank you and how it's kind of disarming to people. I have found that giving genuine apologies when you owe it to someone is also a great form of self-reflection and self-improvement when I, I think most people because they don't just want to say, look, I'm sorry, I messed up. Here's why I did it. It's unacceptable. I assure you it's not going to happen again. Most people will say, I'm sorry, I messed up because of this, that, and the other thing. And this person did this and my car broke down and this happened. And this person said this, and I was super pissed about it. And then I got on the call versus, you know what? I'm really sorry. I, this happened, this happened. And uh, and it's not going to happen again. I wasted your time. It's unacceptable. I strive to do better for the people I work with. And I just really want to apologize because I know that affected you and I'm aware of it and it will not happen again. Number one, to just take that level of ownership in your own mind is really important because the reality is if you messed up, it's, you know, like as a transparent example, I was supposed to be on your show a few weeks ago. And I, I went too long. I had something that was supposed to end earlier. I didn't, I wasn't able to cut it off on time and I had some difficulty signing into the platform. And if I would have been on time and I would have been able to sign in a couple minutes earlier, I would have been on time and I wasn't, and you had to flex and do something else. And I felt really bad about that. And I said, man, there's no excuse. I just, I should have had it together. I'm sorry. I wasted your time and you were very gracious about it, but it, I could have said, it wasn't my fault. It was the program's fault, but yeah, then I should have signed in earlier, right? I should have, I should have cut my obligation earlier and signed in. So, so to be able to, to take ownership of a mistake that you make is really, really important. And it is kind of disarming because most people just don't expect that because they don't hear it very frequently. But if you make a mistake, you know, uh, victim mentality is one of my pet peeves, man. Mm. That just makes me want to flip tables <laughs> right <laughs> away. Take ownership of everything that happens, good and bad. You know, Grant Cardone says you get a flat tire on the way to an appointment. It's your fault. Like, yeah, okay. Like when you have that level of ownership, you will improve in a way that, uh, I mean, you'll just really accelerate your path to self-improvement in a way that would probably surprise you. Yeah. And brother, being on the receiving end, I 100%, once you said that and just owned it, immediately, all I said is no problem. We're going to get you rescheduled. But if you would give me a line of excuses about this, that, or the other, it'd be like, I probably wouldn't. And so it is, I, that's a great example. Yeah. I wasn't upset. Things happen. Yeah. 
but you owned it. And I like-minded people that own their stuff are not the victim, but take responsibility. Those are my people. Yes. And that's when I was like, yeah, bro, no problem. Let's go ahead and schedule. So, yeah, absolutely. And we did. And I'm looking forward to being on your, on your show in a few weeks. (laughs) Cool. So JM, as we wrap up, I'm going to ask you one more question and then I'm going to make sure that we let all the listeners know exactly how they can engage with you. So the last question I always like to ask is if you were to give someone some really great advice, someone's listening to this, they say, JM, I want to get where you're at. I want to help other people or I want to improve my life. What advice would you give them that if they were to implement it, because remember, knowledge without implementation is useless. So if they were to implement your advice, it would make it impossible to fail. What would you say? Yeah, that's a really good question. I I wrote an article on this and there's a specific college football coach that I modeled it after and it's, it's Dabo Sweeney. And he does three things that I think are just remarkable. And the first is he finds joy in everything he does. He, he, he embraces the suck, right? Even when it's horrible. And that's something that the military that you, if you read a lot, they, you embrace the suck. He finds joy in those hard times. Yeah. The second thing is he believes to his core that belief, no one is going to shake that. So whatever the goal is, he believes they, that it will happen. Mm-hmm. It, is, it, it is not something that can be tampered with. And the other thing is he, he, he burns the bridges behind him. He's all in, man. And when I say burn bridges, not to harm anyone, but rather to say, I am all in on this pursuit and come hell or high water, we are going to get there. If you can do those three things, find joy in what you're doing, no matter what, the good, the bad, the ugly, believe that it's going to happen. And I mean, not question it. And when those things come up, write about it, figure out your outlet, but believe in it and go all in. You can't fail, brother. Would you say it's impossible to fail? I would say it's 100% <laughs> impossible to fail. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Perfect. You, you couldn't have answered that question better. Absolutely. Burn the docs, have the belief in yourself, just make it happen. That's awesome. Uh, so reminder, if you're listening to this, you can watch the video at robstein.tv. That's S-T-E-I-N. We're going to have all of JM's links posted up there. So JM, if people wanted to uh, dig in with you, they want to get one of your books, the Let's Go Win or the Champions Daily Playbook, they want to check you out on social media, how can they engage with you? Yeah, for the, for the books, let's go win.com. Even the article I just talked about, it's in my blog. So uh, please check that out. Uh, let's go win 365 is social media on any and all channels. And if you send something, you will get me writing back to you. And, and I like to interact just like I had a chance with Rob today, which was awesome, by the way, brother. I really appreciate how you host, you ask insightful questions. But uh, yeah, check it out. Let's go win 365. And of course, co- go check Rob out on the Let's Go Win podcast because he's going to be an amazing guest as he is a, a host. So I can't wait for that day either, brother. Man, JM, thank you so much, man. This has truly been an honor and a pleasure. Your information is so insightful and it's just really genuine. And, you know, of course, with all things, the world is full of entrepreneurs that might not have your best interest in mind. And, you know, everyone's priorities are their own. But with JM, I can tell you the one thing out of the many great things I loved about this that really stuck out to me is you're just a really genuine, genuine, wonderful, wonderful guy. You really care about the people you work with. It comes through in the way you talk, 
in your materials and uh, being able to to work with genuine like-minded people is there's nothing better than that. So thank you, man, for being on the show today. Make sure to check him out at letsgowin.com. All his stuff is on there. Get his books, get his, his blog. Check out Let's Go Win 365. That's Let's Go Win 365, all the social media platforms. And on YouTube, you can find him at Let's Go Win. He's on there. JM, thanks for being on here today. And I look forward to being on your show in a few weeks. Thank you, brother.